This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Oh, how fun. I think I can handle those last two guys' lines. Whoa. <laughs> oh, welcome to the great adventure. It's, uh, I don't know how many more times we're going to get be able to get everybody in this room. But uh, if you look around, it's really full. And uh, you know what that means? It means lots of people are getting connected with God. So uh, what a great, great time together. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are here for the very first time, or for those of you who haven't been here for the last five weeks or so, because, um, well, this is the summit morning for us. We've been climbing a mountain uh, sharing in great adventure with God, 35 days of prayer, and and uh, Friday was 12 hours of prayer, and uh, Friday evening was the concert of prayer. If you came to the concert of prayer, what did you think of that, huh? Wasn't that amazing? I've been going to church all of my life, but if you had to have me list the top five events that I've ever had in church at anywhere at any time, Friday evening would be in that list. It was truly spectacular. The good news is, if you missed it, this fall we're going to do a similar one again. So, there you go. And you can put the worship team on notice of, no, never mind, they already know that, all right? In fact, that kind of leads me into something that we're going to do. One of the things God has called this church to do is, is periodic spiritual adventures. This particular one, uh, is preparing us for phase two, which I'll talk to you about in just a little bit. But a lot of the spiritual adventures we go on are not necessarily preparing us for the next phase of our building or anything. In fact, we're going to go on one this fall that's called I Worship. And we're going to be writing a 21 Days of Worship devotional guide, very similar to the 35 Days of Prayer that we've been walking through. Only the subject matter is going to be how to worship God and what that means and what do the various postures of worship mean? And, and uh, how can we really connect with God? And I'm going to be preaching four sermons uh, in that series called I Worship. And then on the last Sunday, that evening, we're going to do uh, a two-hour Sunday evening service called I Worship, which will be very similar to Friday evening. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. That's going to be a great, great time uh, together. So this morning... I want to talk to you about a very important subject. For those of you who are here for the first time, it's like we have scaled the mountain and you guys took the helicopter ride in and just landed on the summit, all right? You know, and, and so I know you didn't get to climb the mountain and you didn't get to do all that stuff, but what matters most is that you're at the summit with us. And I'm glad that you're here. And so I just want to invite you to join in and enjoy the morning and celebrate with us, and then to whatever degree God enables you to participate, go ahead and participate as well. Along the way, we have been looking at uh, a series of subjects, things like life itself, sacrifice, commitment. We've been looking at faith. We've been looking at struggle, all, all these things. And we've been looking at them through the eyes and through the lives of characters in the Bible that are very well known. Characters like Adam and Eve, Abraham, 
Joseph, an Old Testament character by the name of Ruth, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. We've been looking at uh, uh, these subjects through their lives. Well, this morning we're going to look at the subject of victory, and we're going to look at it through the life of a Bible character who is literally on virtually every page of the Bible. He is the central theme of all that takes place in Scripture. In fact, if you were to extract from Scripture this man's life, you would have really nothing left. Well, by now you've figured out who that is, right? Who is that? That's right. Whenever you're in church and the pastor says, who is that? Jesus is always a good answer, right? (laughs) In this case, you would be right. So I want to talk to you about Jesus I want to talk to you about victory from the standpoint of his life. And uh, in the process, we're going to look at two core scriptures. And I'm going to teach you just one thing out of each core scripture. And I'm not going to talk to you very long this morning in this section. But boy, everything I say to you is going to be really, really important. So take out the half sheet of notes that's inside your program. And follow along with me, if you would, please. Um, half sheet of notes should look something like that. All right, here's the, here's the first core teaching. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a, um, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said... These are the words I want you to underline. It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Now there's a multitude of things wrapped up in that simple three-word sentence, it is finished. But this morning I'm just going to talk to you about one concept that comes out of that. Because believe it or not, all of his life, Jesus had looked forward to being able to say that one sentence. It is finished. And here's, here's the principal Bible teaching I want you to get this morning. Victory comes only after the last step is taken. Think with me for a minute about why you would embark on any journey. Everyone embarks on a journey with the hopes and with the anticipation that in the end they will be able to take the last step of the journey. That's the one you look forward to when you start at the bottom of the mountain. Yes, you're looking forward to experiences along the way, but somehow if you stop short of the summit, do you kind of go home feeling empty? Of course you do. Because the real reason you embarked on the journey wasn't so you could sleep on a rock. No, you put up with that. Because eventually you had in mind standing on the summit of that mountain where no matter what direction you looked, there was nothing higher than you were and you had this beautiful view any direction that you wanted to look. And then and only then did you really feel satisfied and you felt like you could say, I have conquered this mountain for Jesus. The journey that ended up at Calvary with him hanging on the cross and saying that those three words, it is finished. For him, that journey began way back in heaven. For in heaven, Jesus knew that we were sinners 
cut out forever from ever being able to really be with God. And Jesus said, I can and will do something about that. And it was decided that the only thing he could do would be to take on a human body. And so Jesus agreed to take on a human body. God becoming a human. God taking on human flesh. And of course, we know that story in the story of Christmas, which we will look at later this year. But can I tell you, even from Christmas, Jesus was thinking about the day that he would be able to say, it is finished. For Christmas was the beginning of that journey. Every day of his life, this one day he had in mind, because everything in his life, every message that he taught, every miracle that he performed, every place he ever went, in the back of his mind, and yes, even in the front of his mind, he knew that the day of Calvary was coming, the day that he would give his life, and he knew that if he healed all of the blind people in the nation of Israel and went back to heaven, he would have left a lot on, on the table and, and that he really would have done nothing lasting for mankind. He would have made a few blind people see for a lifetime, and that would be it. It was the mission of the ages, the redemption, the forgiveness of mankind that caused Jesus to come. And it wasn't until that mission was complete that Jesus could say, it is finished. So, what does it say at the beginning of our core teaching? Jesus knew that His what mission was now complete. It was finished. And He could say, it is finished. It's my prayer that those of us in this audience, and many that are not in this audience yet, it's my prayer that at some point in our life, we could say, it is finished for me. You know what I mean by that? When Jesus died and purchased for you the forgiveness of your sins, the one thing He did not do is make that choice for you. That's yours to receive. And many of us in this room have made that decision. And at some point in our life, we said to Jesus, thank you so much for what you have done for me. I accept the work that you did in Calv on Calvary as, as the atonement for my sin. I invite you into my life. This day I choose to become a follower of Jesus. I trust you, not only with my life on this earth, I trust you with my life in eternity. I am now yours. And when we made that choice and invited Christ into our life, then we could say, in my life, it is finished. Is there more to do? Oh, there's more work to do, but there's no more salvation work to do. That's been done. In this church, every Sunday, we choose to remember that in exactly the same way that Jesus taught His closest followers. At the last Passover dinner that Jesus ate with his 12 closest followers, they were all Jews, and so they celebrated the Passover. In the middle of the Passover dinner, he stood up, and the Bible says he took the bread, and he said, this is my body. I want all of you to eat from it because it is broken for you. 
And if you've ever taken even a moment to think about what took place at Calvary, or a few years ago, if you went to see the Passion of the Christ, you got a glimpse into what a broken body looks like. And Jesus said, that's going to happen to me for you. And then he took a simple cup of of grape juice or wine. We don't know which it was for sure. And frankly, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. He just took it and he held it up for a minute and he said to them, this is my blood, which is going to be spilled out for you. I want all of you to drink from it. And then he said, I want you to do this remembering me. It's our great joy in this church every Sunday to do that. But not just every Sunday. If you were here Friday, we did it on Friday evening as well. Whenever we get the whole church together, it just seems so appropriate to remember the one and only reason we get together. And that is what Jesus did for us. So in a few minutes, we'll be passing through our audience trays. And on the trays, you'll see portions of bread and portions of of juice. If you choose to honor Christ with us, I invite you to do that, even if you've never done it before. But if you choose to honor Christ with us, take one of those portions of bread, take one of the cups of juice, pass the tray to your neighbor, and then after you've taken a few moments of reflection to reflect on what Christ has done for you, then eat the bread and drink the juice in His honor, remembering what He did for you. If you're not ready to do that yet, that's okay. No one will look down on you. Simply take the tray and pass it to your neighbor. And while the rest of us have our quiet moments of reflection, I invite you to reflect on this thought. How different would your life be today and tomorrow and the next day if you decided to let Christ come into your life and you chose to become a follower of Him? Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, in this moment of quiet reflection, we remember that day that you hung on Calvary with a broken body and the blood spilling out of your body and your life literally flowing from you. And you looked back over all that you had done. And you looked back at Christmas, and you looked back at your childhood, and you looked back at the people that you healed and the messages that you gave and and, and the people that you taught and you ate with, and you looked at the changed lives, and you looked at the mountain of human sin that was all at that point unatoned for until you chose to give your life. And you saw it all begin to melt away as you gave your life as a sacrifice. And you were able to say, it's finished. Lord, we remember that day. We bless you for it. We eat and drink in your remembrance and also in your honor. And as always, we pray in your own great name. Amen. I can assure you, there's no greater thing you can do with your life There's no greater thing you can do with any Sunday morning of your life than remembering what life is all about, than remembering what Jesus did for you and uh, what he did for the whole world. Let's go to core Bible teaching number two, because now we're going to transport 
all the way into eternity. We're in the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and here's what it says. It says, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were killed. And at the cost of your own blood, you have purchased for for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have appointed them as a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 5, we're all the way to the very end of the Bible. And that, my friends, is a scene from heaven. What are the first three words of that core teaching? You are what's worthy. That's what I want you to underline. And again, just like in It Is Finished, there are so many things that are wrapped up in that phrase that I couldn't possibly take the time this morning to unlock and unwrap them all for us. But I, I do want to say this to you about the concept of you are worthy. We're talking about victory in the life of Jesus. This is on the other side of Calvary. And this is on the other side even of the grave after Jesus has been raised from the dead. So what is wrapped up in this? I wish I had the time to read you the whole chapter because it's such a fascinating chapter. But here's one of the things that I want you to see. The size of the celebration is directly proportional to the magnitude of what was accomplished and the sacrifices required to complete the journey. Both of those are extremely important concepts. You and I do things in life that require great sacrifice, but when we get done, there's no real big celebration. For instance, you go to hang a picture on the wall. You think, how tough can that be? Right? So you drive a nail in the wall, you hang the picture on the wall, and you realize that the picture is too heavy for the nail. It pulls a nail out of the wall, now you have a hole in the wall, right? So you go to your shop and you think, i got to have something bigger and better than this. Sure enough, you don't have anything bigger and better than that. So then you get in your car, you drive to Orchard Supply, and you get one of those wonderful little sheetrock anchor wall hanger things that holds 50 pounds. And you realize, my picture does not weigh 50 pounds. I think I'm okay with that. So then you go and you get your quarter-inch drill uh, drill bit, you put it in your drill motor, you go to your house and you get ready to drill a hole in the wall, you drill a hole in the wall, only to find out that you hit the electrical wire behind the wall, right? That's, a, that, that's not a very pleasant, you understand? And, and that job that you thought was a 30-second job turns out to be an all-day job that challenges your patience. When you get done, do you hold a big celebration at him and say, I hung a picture on the wall. No, because the size of the celebration is directly proportional to what you've accomplished. On the other hand, when you accomplish something great, but it requires little or no sacrifice, there's still a nice celebration, but it's not anything like the celebration that takes place when what is accomplished is great, but also the sacrifices required. For it are great. Now, in this one passage, let's ask ourselves three questions. First question is this: What was accomplished? Well, what 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 did the author say? For at the cost of your own blood, you purchased 
from every tribe, every tongue, every nationality of people all across the world, from all of those nations and tribes and tongues and people, you have purchased people for God. It doesn't get any bigger than that. That's something you can't do. That's something I can't do. It's something that President Obama can't do. No one walking the face of this earth today can purchase anyone else for God. Only Jesus could do that. And He did. Let's ask ourselves the second question. What sacrifices were required? What does it say in that passage? At the cost of what? You know, in this crazy day and age where people auction everything off on eBay... If you actually had a vial of the blood of God Himself, what would that be worth? Now I want you to think with me for a minute. What if what was in that was not just the blood of God, it was all of God's blood? that spilled down the cross at Calvary. What if someone actually were able to collect that? What would that be worth to you? i got to tell you, I'd give everything. Everything I have, everything I own, for me to be able to look at the cost of my own salvation. And realize it was the blood of God Himself. Now, the sacrifice required is as big as it gets. So guess what? Question number three. How big was the celebration? This is the part of the chapter I didn't have time to read to you. But this is a growing celebration. It starts out with with four things. The Bible calls the living creatures. And they're really interesting creatures. And they're in heaven. And someday you and I are going to get to see them. But they're simply called the four living creatures. And the four living creatures. And then there are 24 elders in heaven. And the 24 elders in heaven begin to sing a song. And it's a great song that says, You are worthy. It goes on and on and on. In fact, that's what we read at the very beginning. That's what they sing. And when they get done singing what we read, the Bible says, Then a crowd of angels numbering 10,000 times 10,000. Now, for those of us who are math challenged, okay, that's actually 100 million angels. Have you ever heard a big choir? I'm guessing a hundred million angels would kind of blow our socks off. What do you think? And they began to sing, You are worthy. In fact, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb, which was a picture of Jesus giving His life. That was the symbol. And then you know what it says? And then after that, John said, Joining them, I saw every creature in heaven every creature on earth, and every creature under heaven and under earth. I don't even have any idea what that is. But John saw them all. And they began 
to sing. You know, when you've got a celebration that involves every creature in heaven, on earth, under heaven, and under earth, you know, I don't care what they say about the Indianapolis 500 that's the greatest sporting spectacle in American history. You know, the 250,000 people that gather there for that event and even the millions who watch it on TV are dwarfed by the celebration of Jesus, the victory of Jesus. And you know why there was a celebration? Because he was able to say, what three words? It is finished. So what does that mean for you and me? Well, as many of us are finding, God has a journey for us in this life. And it's a great journey. And many of us have been seriously opening our hearts and minds to Christ. And, and wonderful things are beginning to happen in our lives. But we realize that any, any victory that's worth having is a victory that involves struggle along the way. How can I be sure that the struggles that I encounter on my way to that last and final step, how can I be sure that I'll have the strength to be able to make it. Well, a songwriter has written a great song. The worship team is going to come and sing for us that song. And it has such a great challenge and such a great promise because oftentimes as we're trudging our way up the mountain toward that, that, that great summit that God has called us to and we're struggling, we forget that we're not taking the journey alone. But there is actually a God of the mountain who is with us. So I pray as they sing that you will begin to pray, God, would you fill me with the strength I need so that with you I can stand on the top of the mountain having taken the journey with you. Really in many ways, that's the, that's the basic question of faith. Is there a God who is so personal that he would actually get involved in our lives. And what you just saw was just a few minutes of, of, I think maybe 90 minutes of footage of people who just were saying, yeah, God is real. Here's my testimony. Here's what God did in my life. And uh, so for, for those of you who are uh, brand new to New Life this morning, I'm going to do my best to take this five-week journey and put it down into less than five minutes. So uh, hang with me for for just five more minutes, and then uh, we're going to do a fun thing, a wonderful thing, something that will not only bless the church, but bless heaven itself. So the great adventure, those, those particular testimonies virtually all came from a spiritual journey we took three years ago. And we thought we had a big vision, that God had given us a great vision of what He wanted to do, and, and it was our job to get on board. It was our job to receive the blessings God was going to give that were over and above what we needed to live and to take those and pass them on to His church because God said, I want you to get the church ready for where I'm going to take them. And at that point in time, we were pretty sure He was going to take us to about fifteen to 20,000 square feet of, of a building somewhere in this town that we would lease, build out and meet in for five to ten years. Uh, we're, we're, so the church could grow and eventually we'd be able to get our own campus and do ministry from our own campus. Had no idea that God's vision for us was far greater than ours. 
And uh, God gave us a goal of about $500,000 to $750,000. That wasn't just a shot in the dark. That was done with some financial analysis and so forth. Uh, but when the dust had cleared from ready um, and, and all the financial experts had said expect five hundred to $750,000, um, the people of this church, just 375 of us at that time, pledged $1.25 million. That, that blew everybody away. We realized at that point God was up to something that was bigger than what we had dreamed or even imagined or would dare to imagine. And I'm happy to tell you that in the ensuing months that took place after that particular portion of our ready spiritual journey, $1.3 million has come in to this point uh, to enable us to be in this building. That's a pretty cool thing, don't you think? That's an absolutely wonderful thing. And I know looking back in those days, we all thought, okay, well, we won't buy cars and some of us won't buy homes and we won't go on vacations because we have all these sacrifices we're making for God. I mean, where are you going to get $1.3 million out of 375 people? You know, most of us were not sitting around going, I got a spare 200 grand. Where do you need it? No, you know, we're just ordinary, normal people going about life. But you know, the thing that amazed me as we walked through that spiritual journey for the last three years, we all ended up buying cars. We ended up buying houses. Some of us wish we hadn't now, but anyhow, we did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when we look back on it, I don't think there's anyone who, who would walk up on this platform and go, you know what happened? I made tremendous sacrifices for God And I can't see any blessing he gave in my life as a result. That just never happens because God's that real. And so what's ahead for us now? Phase two. Um, On the bottom, on the back side, the bottom of your notes, you'll see a list of 10 projects that God's called us to address in phase two. We don't know the total cost of those. I'm guessing somewhere just north of of a million dollars. Uh, probably less than 1.5, somewhere in that window. Um, So how much of that is God going to supply through us? I don't know the answer. I really don't know the answer to that. I do know this, that God said, I want you to call my people on a 35-day journey of prayer. And you know, if we never get connected with God, we never really know what He wants. But people have been doing that, and I I wasn't just kind of blowing smoke a while ago when I said that the 12 hours of prayer on Friday was an absolute mountaintop experience. So many of you were telling me that as you walked in this morning. It was truly an amazing time. And many of us have been on this journey with God for 35 straight days. And uh, just the amazing things. People have come up and said, I've had this destructive habit in my life. And guess what? In the 35 days of prayer, God said, you're done with that. And this is my ex number of days not doing that. I mean, person after person after person. I had one person say to me, God's been chasing me for years. He got me. Yeah, how fun. How fun. Well, a week ago Friday, 
we got together about a hundred people from the church who are pastoral staff and their spouses and ministry leaders and their spouses and, and uh, people that are just, we know, are heart, heart deep in, in ministry at New Life. And we gave them a challenge and said, would you be kind enough to make your commitments to the great adventure as God has directed you, but to make them ahead of time? And so they did. And there were still one or two outstanding but the bottom line is about 55 have come in. And as I shared with you last Sunday, it's a little bit different number this Sunday. It's a little bit higher because one or two of those came in. Uh, but those 55 uh, families or singles, depending upon you know what they were, um, have committed $680,877 to phase two. And that puts us almost 70% of the way to a million dollars. And that's a small portion. Yes, the most dedicated portion of the church in many cases, but it's a small portion. And so this morning, over the next few minutes, the rest of us have the opportunity to, to say to God, okay, I've been with you in that journey as well. And so this morning, I come having received from you a number, something that you want me to give. Something you're going to supply through me so that I can, I can know the joy of being with you on this journey. And I can know the joy of what you're going to do in phase two and the many, many people that you're going to bring into this church even in the next few years. I get to be part of that journey. That's not a decision that God would have you take lightly. It certainly isn't a decision I would have you take lightly. And so over the next few minutes... I want us to do something. On the inside of your, of your program, you're going to find a card that looks like this. Let me walk you through it here in about 30 seconds. And then I'm going to give you a time to just pray. If you'll open it up on the inside, at the top there's a matrix. The matrix is for those of us who are math challenged, right? And, and, and God's called us to a number and it's a... Uh, some process that we could give every month, but we kind of don't know what that, over 36 months, we don't know what that means. So there you go. You can look it up on the matrix. The middle part is where you put your name and so forth. Underneath that, there's a thing that says weekly, monthly, or yearly. Um, that's simply to help the people who are our financial stewards know how uh, to project cash flow in the church so that we make sure that what we're doing, either in construction or whatever else, that we're not doing it faster than, than uh, those funds are going to be coming in. We certainly want to be good financial stewards of all of that. And then if you have an asset at the bottom, people have donated vehicles, people have donated uh, jewelry, um, you know, whatever God's put on your heart, that's the most important part. And, and I know that some of you are at a place in your life where, I mean, you're really struggling to, to make the rent next month, okay? I don't want you to be discouraged if the number that God gives you isn't all that big. It's okay, okay? Or even if you've prayed through the process and you feel like at this time that you can't make a commitment. I don't want you to duck your head. I don't want you to feel anything other than the most important thing is that you do what God's instructing you to do.
Okay? So then you can fill that out, and in, in a few moments, I'll tell you what to do with it. But for right now, it'd be very hard for me to overemphasize the importance of prayer. So we're going to have a few moments of silence with a little bit of music playing in the background. Those of you who are in married couples, I know we were praying for you this morning, even on your way to church, because I'm sure some of you were still trying to process, hey, babe, you got a number yet? I don't know, you know. Pastor's going to ask us for a number this morning, whatever that is. So I know you were probably having some of those conversations. So for, for husbands and wives, take just a minute. We're going to give you two or three minutes just to pray over it one last time. If you're here by yourself, pray over that. Whatever God leads you to. And then I'm going to lead us in a pastoral prayer in just a minute. Um, so let's take a few moments and just approach God. Father, as we prepare to present to you what you've laid on our hearts, God, would you give us peace? Would you give us joy? Would you give us a great sense of anticipation for what you are about to do, not just in the next few moments, but over the next few years? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't very often put anybody on the spot, okay? But I want to ask you to do something, okay? If you started coming to this church any time in the last three years, would you just stand, please? Thank you. You know what that means? Maybe to a great degree you're here because there were some people who decided to go on a journey with God and they got this place ready for you. Now it's our turn. Who knows? Three years from now we do that same exercise. I'm sure we won't be able to get us all in one room. At least not this room for sure. So in anticipation of that, if you take just a moment now, finish filling out whatever it is you're going to fill out because the ushers are going to walk through um, the audience and they'll be receiving those. And even the people who came to the leadership event and have already made their commitments, they're going to re-up for those commitments uh, so we can do this all together. So ushers, would you come now and uh, receive what we now present before the Lord? We could just kind of get it. Just kind of come down as close to the front as you can get. All right, because because we're gonna have some fun with this. We're gonna sing a song. Come on, all you brownie munchers over here. Okay, I have a little bit of business to take care of before I give you the number, okay? We have tons and tons of people who have worked on the great adventure, okay? 
in not, not the least of which are the people who are out at the barbecue pit right now finishing up, people who are cleaning, people who came in and set up chairs, people who have worked on the stage, people who have put together the, the video projects, the special numbers. I mean, the list goes on and on. Literally 250-some people have worked on this project. A uh, huge, huge thank you to all of you. Um, for all of you who came in this morning and set up, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you who are the first time you've ever served at New Life, thank you for jumping in and finding your place. And uh, it's been a great, great journey. Um, if you didn't complete the 35-day journey of prayer, let's just say you did 34 and you didn't do the one today, okay? Please do it before you go to bed, all right? Yes, indeed. This next week, we start a brand new sermon series called Reality Check. It's going to be out of the life of Jesus. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. You want to be here for that. And now you probably want this, don't you? Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. An additional $260,000 has come in from this morning giving us a total pledge of $940,619. I was told by our pledge team that there are still a few uh, things to be sorted out. So, uh, But they took all of those figures mm -hmm. and put them in at the low side including some additional commitments that are to, to come in. So if anything, that number will actually get larger. Yes. Thank you, thank you. I want to pray right now, and then we're going to sing a song, all right? Which is a wonderful song. Father, that's a wonderful number. Your generosity is truly, truly amazing. Father, your generosity and grace. I just think of that passage that says where our sin increased, your grace increased even more. As your people, as your church, as your children, thank you for the journey you've had us on. Thank you for that moment that each of us came to when we accepted Christ and said, yes, I'll become a follower of you. Thank you for every person that you've been able to break addiction in the last 35 days. Thank you for the people you've called to new places of connection with you. And Father, thank you for the supply that you're going to supply through us over the next three years. And Lord, we look forward to celebrating at the end of this journey what you have begun in us today. We thank you, thank you, thank you. And we do it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Let's sing a wonderful song of surrender. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.